Welcome to the My Rules of Better podcast. I'm Tom Favalet, and it's Monday, Saturday, Saturday morning to early afternoon. I I don't know what we'll call it. Games mastered. I don't know. I did something with regards to this thing called the hunt, and we had a couple less players than I had anticipated. So I think we only had six versus eight, maybe eight versus ten. So the two folks that were missing were my co-worker John, who was going to play the shaman. And Matthew Gibson, who also has done this kind of stuff academically. And I was really disappointed that both of them couldn't make it, but just the nature of these things. So in addition to this, gosh, this is really testing me. We had Spencer, who I frequently <laughs> referred to Barney Dicker as Spencer as well, because I was absolutely catatonically exhausted. Uh, but uh, we had Barney Dicker as well. We had Derek from prior podcast recording. We had... Jason and Alan from Prior Games, fellow workmates. Who else did we have? We had Connor Sites Bowen, who's a long-time listener. He, folks may remember, actually assisted me moving my attic down into my podcasting room. We had Matt Cruz, who's a co-worker of mine as well. So, yeah, quite an interesting group and lots of potential for uh, various rabbit holes and other things. But I had it to a pretty strict time schedule, and I maintained that by basically anticipating a series of possible scenarios as, as these things usually play out. Only two out of about six of the scenarios that I had envisaged actually occurred, which was pretty good in terms of timing. And I wanted to run it specifically to give a contrast to the magic system that was in the game that I played as a player. However, with John not playing the shaman that I needed in that role, the shaman role fell to Connor Sightsbone, and Connor is just such a, I don't know, a jovial, bright character. <laughs> so towards the end, Connor wanted to have a kind of shamanic trance to get some insights into the upcoming battle. The final part of the hunt is actually engaging with these monstrous, or in this case, huge, um, you know, wild critters that are just completely disproportionately large compared to humans. So Connor had this um, premonition of his own death and the death of other members of the party. I kind of put it to him very calmly, like, do you want me to tell you all of this? Or, uh, you know, and he, he, look, Connor is just such a good sport. I think, uh, you know, at the end it was just, well, Connor and Derek were the um, two that were killed by these rhinos. Spencer came close, but thankfully Barney knows the rules sufficiently that he could regain Spencer into some functioning form. I think all in all, I had a really good time. It's a relatively lightweight gaming system, which plays into all my strengths, I think, associated with Games Mastery. And there really were a couple of really strong like visual vignettes that I wanted to carry across, and I think both of those reached the players rather heavily and impacted them, which was good. And it really kind of wrapped itself up perfectly. I went slightly over time, which I was getting the sense that we probably would when it was, you know, half an hour to the end of the game and we still hadn't quite hit the... Uh, you know, the large plains, the valley of the uh, huge and monstrous beasts. So, yeah, all in all, I think it was really fun. And unfortunately, I didn't have the opportunity really in any way to play it. <laughs> Barney's previous definition of magic, which I was thoroughly looking forward to, but alas, it wasn't to happen. So that was the hunt. I think I might play it in the new year. I think I might have one additional game of it in the new year uh, because the folks who didn't attend, uh, Matthew Gibson and John specifically, kind of lamented the fact that I couldn't attend. So we'll have to work something out with that. I've been watching a bit of YouTube recently, and a fellow called Rick Copen, uh, spelt Rick, 
R-I-C-K space K-O-E-P-P-E-N. It's just caught me as probably, I don't know, he's just, he's a fascinating fellow. I recommend people check out his videos. And when I described him to my wife, she said to me, well, at least you can associate these things in others as well. Swift, pretty swift. So let's talk a little bit about the lead pile. I have in front of me a box that I am sending back to Rochi Rochefort. Rochi sent me a relatively large box. The foam padding was just wrong. A bunch of miniatures broke in the process, and I just ate getting broken miniatures. But the nature of my interaction with Rochi is it's pretty long-term. So I've just got a box to send back to him. In terms of the move and all the announcements around the move, it looks like probably, hopefully sometime in January, uh, we will get this move onto Vegas. And what it gives me the opportunity to do is just potentially get the finished miniatures back from the East Coast as well. So I'm really looking forward to getting them back, and then it'll just be Rochi. And Rochi's doing a lot of interesting modifications currently. He's making a lot of Imperial Guard figures into Chaos figures, which I think is just a fascinating project. Um, so, yeah, my sense with that is it'll be a project into early next year, and then hopefully it'll just be some hard slog, particularly through the remainder of the Wood Elves, and then just, you know, working through whatever is left over. I'm looking forward to actually finally kind of putting a lid on this miniature thing. I wanted to talk a little bit about simulation, and just in the most broadest possible sense, because certainly I think Barney was talking about my simulation work, and if you haven't actually looked at my simulation work, it would be relatively easy to think of me as some kind of normalist, you know, let's find stuff in nature and try to simulate it by trying to model the nature. That's not what I do typically with simulation. I'm, um, I don't know. I don't know if it's scat jazz or if it's... uh heavy metal or uh, it's old school, you know, public enemy or whatever. But yeah, my simulation isn't like that. Thank you very much. In fact, really, it's the antithesis of a lot of that. It's about finding underlying mathematics to describe things that don't in any way necessarily mirror the physical world. And really, I think of simulation more as philosophical satire, particularly, although I don't do it anymore, when I used to publish academically, I thought it, no institution is paying for me to do this. So I need to maximize the philosophical satire. So when I talk about simulation, it's mainly associated with just writing code, seeing code operate and provide, you know, visual effects and frequently actually provide additional understanding, which is necessarily divergent from, you know, the way you would want to model, you know, things like the mind, whatever that thing is. Or, you know, these, these ideas that what you need to do is try to recreate the physical form in order to get a better understanding of simulation as a tool for that. That's not the way I do things. There are plenty of simulators who do do it that way, but it's not the way I do things. Yeah, why, why would I pick an easy way to do something? Well, as you find out very quickly, it's not an easy way to do things at all. So I've talked about uh, the top five things I wanted to talk about. I'm going to take a little, well, I don't know. I mean, I thought coming into this thing that I would probably take a little bit of time off, but actually what I want to do is spend more time working on sea line. And Z-Line, in terms of the consuming project, I've moved from static to like actively interactable display maps, which changes a number of things and actually forces me to write a bunch of... Well, no, it doesn't really. It forces me to pick up the urban simulation that I'd written and just make it now applicable to Z-Line. And there are lots of little slivers of technology that are coming in that are quite different to what I've write, written previously. But some background on this, the central... Technology is called the Ape SDK, which is an emerge to the previous name before the alleged comedian had something to do with it. And the Ape SDK captures 
a lots of different bits and pieces of software. I mean, obviously a good portion of it's to do with simulation, but a good portion of it's also to do with graphics, memory handling, mathematics, bunch of different components to it. And truth be told, these days, probably about 40% of that could be replaced by, you know, standard library or the kind of stuff that you get in Objective-C or Java or these kind of things. So some of it is a bit, you know, why does he continue to do it in C kind of thing. But a lot of it is really about finding unifications when you can use a certain concept in a variety of pieces of software that are divergent. So there's a planetary simulation, there's the, uh, you know, simulated ape environment, there's a warfare simulation, there's an urban environmental simulation, all these components, there's a thing that simulates the inside of houses, for example, as well. So all these things I've historically put in one piece of software and then thought, oh, this would be interesting to use over here. And certainly the C-Line project is exactly that thing. So when it's finished, it's probably going to be about, I don't know, 50 to 60% new actual software, but it's built on a lot of previous technology, which is one of the things I like about finding these kind of projects is you really move into the strengths of the, you know, the 25 odd years, 25, nearly 25 next year, the 25 odd years that I've put into this body of work. So I'm hoping things with the uh, day job will slow down a little bit through this festive period and I can concentrate more on getting sea line out in some form or at least considerably better because I'm, I need to produce another YouTube video just to explain where I am. And the difficulty with these YouTube videos is I like the project to be in a, I don't know, like the best possible state when I do this and because I'm constantly working on various parts of it. It's always funny to say, okay, well, maybe by the end of the next week I'll have this stuff done, sufficient to show it to people. Never really happens that way. But yes, then probably back to quite a bit of writing and just getting some bits and pieces together. And mm, I thought more about Barney's critique associated with my upcoming paternal leave just what should I aim to complete before this thing arrives? So maybe more on that in a future recording. I think I've covered the main points. Tom Barbelay, still in San Jose, signing out.